Welcome to The Healthy Beast. In this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Fiona Peer. She runs a facial rejuvenation clinic in London called the Peer Clinic. Now, facial rejuvenation is Botox, fillers, stuff like that. It's not something I ever thought I'd get involved with. I've never thought I'd even go into one of these places. But I know Fiona. She's also a consultant anaesthetist. So a very responsible job. And I wanted to go and talk to her and ask her about the sort of people who does go and have these sort of things done and why. I cut a couple of minutes from the start of this podcast because I listened back to it and I sounded like a blithering fool. So when the recording starts, I've just asked Fiona why she decided to become a doctor in the first place and specifically an anaesthetist. I hope you enjoy it. When I was at med school, I loved all the machines that go ping. <laughs> and um, anaesthetists basically are using all the sort of machines that go ping and all the, all the technology, all the life support machines is what we use. And as a medical student, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, um, you know, be one of those life-saving, on the, on the sort of critical edge of life doctors. And, and that's what I've done, basically. And that's what we all do. It's an amazing speciality. An yeah, amazing. it's incredible. I, was, I, I just thought about it because the rest of us do jobs where, you know, you mess up and you might, it might be embarrassing. But I guess do you, you, you go into medicine knowing there's going to be pressure. And do you always cope with that pressure? Is it something? Um, so everyone makes mistakes, absolutely. You know, we all know that to uh, people do make errors and yeah they can be serious in medicine if you make an error you you know can be uh, life threatening um and there's increasing recognition of that and actually anesthesia as a speciality has been really forward in thinking about that and learning from other industries high-risk industries like the nuclear industry um uh the airline industry and we try and put things processes into place where when you do fail and we all expect we will um, there are processes that will recognize that and help pick you up so one of the main things is having other anaesthetists around to help when it goes wrong you call out for help and this fresh pair of eyes come in and hopefully you can work through the problems do you, do you find to an extent that certain things only other doctors understand in terms of what it's like to shoulder these responsibilities do you uh, find that camaraderie with other doctor friends that you don't with um maybe to some extent but i think the older i've got i've realized that everybody has different pressures and actually as a doctor the amount of training that we have you're just so well trained to deal with it i i as a personal opinion also working in the hospital i work in st george's I have every other speciality of doctor on, you know, at hand who I can pick up the phone and speak to, to give me advice and help me. So in, so where I work and in a major hospital like St George's, it's a very safe environment to work in and incredibly safe environment for patients to come to. It's a fabulous place to work. I'm, I'm very lucky to work there. It's brilliant. Okay, amazing. And you're also another kind of doctor. I which am. I want to talk I'm about. very recently. Very recently. <laughs> okay, so you run the Peer Clinic in I Wimbledon. Do. Yes. And 
according to so what does your your website said something brilliant that um appealed to me it said so you do enhancements changes to the face that occur with age can make you look and feel tired and sad and i think that stood out to me because what you're doing is facial rejuvenation is that what yeah that's correct because i think i'm i think i'm guilty of whenever you think of any kind of enhancement surgery anything cosmetic done to the face people like me you just think of the bad ones right yeah you think of i don't know jackie stallone or donna televisar yeah someone like that and you don't know anything more about it and you think well as soon as you start messing with your face I'm aware that you can't yeah. judge all these things by a yeah. few things that have I, gone wrong. So maybe you, you could explain the difference between surgery and... and so firstly, what I would say is I these bad jobs out there really upset me as someone who's entered the industry because they do um, give us others in the industry who really wouldn't do that to anyone, a bad name. So I, it upsets me, these bad jobs that you see out there, because um, most people in the industry actually, um, and sort of the, the top people in this industry would not do that sort of work. I'm not sure where these people are going. I'm not, I, I, yeah, I can't comment. Um, there's quite a lot of differences between on the spectrum of cosmetic enhancement from just having some really good skincare that can be absolutely life-changing. If you're someone who's got acne scarring or bad pigmentation um, or, or really bad eczema, you know, these they verge on medical conditions. There are treatments out there which often aren't really uh, offered that well on the NHS because they're not sort of life-threatening but absolutely life-changing if you can sort them out. So you start on the spectrum of getting good skin right through to having major surgery. And then we're talking about facelifts and and body contouring surgery. Um, Where I put myself is more in the non-invasive, non-surgical interventions. um, And that would be skincare and then injectables. And there we're talking about Botox and fillers. Now, Botox, yeah. Is, yeah, Botox is one of the ones yeah. that there's a lot of banter about Botox, isn't there? You know, there's a, there's, there's a, I, I suppose people maybe, again, they overdo it, do they? To the point. Too much Botox. Too much. Frozen face. <laughs> frozen, that's what it is. <laughs> Are we allowed to mention Amanda Holden? I don't know. I don't well, know. just have. Oh, right, so, okay. Oh, I think she looks absolutely great. But I think there was a phase. <laughs> she looked a bit. Didn't people say they thought she looked a bit frozen a while back? But not not anymore. I think there was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, yeah. Certain, there's certainly you do see some frozen faces. Yeah. So Botox is um, Botox is basically a muscle relaxing injection, mm. and it's used for all sorts of medical conditions. It's been around for a, a lot of years. And basically it's injected into the muscles to just stop them moving. And uh, cosmetically, we put them in the face. Most people uh, just in the upper face, forehead, lines between your eyes, like you're wrinkling at me now. Crow's feet. And then more advanced, you can move into the lower face and the neck. And 
the fashion now is not to give you a frozen face. The fashion is to just smooth it out a bit, make those lines and wrinkles look less obvious, but still allow your face to move. So you look at actresses and people on TV and newsreaders, and I bet they've all had it, but they still move their faces. And it's the way that it's injected in sort of lower doses. And, and so that frozen face look is kind of, I think, right out of fashion. And no one who comes into the Wimbledon in clinic really wants the frozen face look. Other than what it does mm. to your face, is there, are there any side effects? Because what it's a, it's a, what is the substance actually? So it's a Poison. botulinum toxin mm. type A. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't really call it a poison. They could have called it something else, couldn't they? they? Go, I, I, they yeah. Could have, I mean, looking back. Yeah, I'd call it a medicine, actually. Yeah. Um, so there is some relation to the botulinum uh, botulism, but it's so far removed from that as a sort of a, from that bacteria. It's so far removed in the lab. Mm. That it has, it's just a medicine, really. The problem is, people like me don't read beyond. They they look they look yeah. things up on the internet. And go, oh, there you go. Yeah, I know about that now. Move on. I mean, all medicines, all medical interventions, are chemicals that we put into our bodies, and we live longer and we have better health because of these chemicals. And botulism, Botox is just another one of those. Mm. It's used for all sorts of things. So people who have strokes, who get um, facial asymmetry, can be used to help them. Uh, kids with cerebral palsy who get muscle contractures, it can be used to help them. People with bladder dysfunction, it's used to help them. So there's all sorts really? of things. It's not just used for people who want to enhance how they look a little bit. It stops you sweating as well, does it? It can do, yeah. yeah. It is also a treatment for, that's called hyperhidrosis, is a treatment for that, yeah. I think I might have um, self-diagnosed myself with that at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't okay. know, just, just a sweating bastard. You look fine now. <laughs> okay. What do you mean now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, so yeah. it, when people come into your mm -hmm. clinic, do they normally know what they don't like? Is that how it works? Do they come to you with a, I don't like my so, nose or... Yeah. Often people will come in and they'll say, I, they've spoken to a friend and they'll say, I want Botox. Or they'll come in and they say, I don't like these lines on my face or I don't like uh, th this sagging skin on my face. So they'll either come in thinking they know what their treatment is that they need or they come in asking me to be more of a doctor and to give them a diagnosis. And quite a lot of what I get is uh, people come in and they think they've got one sort of problem. So the classic one is people come in and they talk to me about their nose to mouth lines and they really don't like them and they want them sorting. And um, you could just jump in and fill those lines with some filler, which is different to Botox, by the way. Um, or what really the reason people age is because of um, there's different fat pads in your face and there's different volumes in your face and as you age those volumes reduce and they uh, change position and that's why you get these lines so it's actually by using the filler to restore volumes and what is filler what is what is the filler it? is um, 
well, the one I use and the one that most people use, I mean, there's lots out there, but the probably one of the most safest, and, it, and it's also reversible, there's an enzyme that can dissolve it, is a thing called hyaluronic acid. And hyaluronic acid is a substance that's ubiquitous throughout your body. It's, it's, it makes your skin and your joints more supple. And basically what the chemists have done is they get the hyaluronic acid and they made it into a gel. And then we inject that gel um, under the skin into the sort of fat that's just under your skin. And depending on the quality of product you use, it can last anything from sort of three years to even 12, 18 months. But, that, and, but basically it's just a gel. Just a gel? Yeah. So you can use it together with? You, you can, can use it together with Botox, yes. Yeah, you can use both. Okay. In fact, there's lots of studies and evidence that using them in combination, you get better results that really? last longer. Yeah, so there's a lot of studies that have shown that. Okay, amazing. Mm. So how much of the work you do is age-related? How much of it is they don't like the way they were made in the first place? That's a really, really interesting question. Um, most of my clients are uh, late 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, I've had a few younger people come in who have got premature sort of lines on their forehead and in between their nose and they just want um, a bit of Botox to try and prevent those lines getting worse and then the big thing that young women want is lip fillers um, they want, do they want the big lips? they do want big lips and interestingly the older 30 plus 30 sort of late 30s plus men and women don't really want to anyone to know they've had any treatment these younger people, sort of, I'd say the below 30 group, they will put photos of themselves on Facebook, Instagram. They, you know, they're happy to publicize like, look at my, it. Look at my yeah. new lips. I've paid for them, yeah. so I may as well show them off. Yeah. That's, the, that, that's the thing I find really weird yeah. because I suppose for it to be good, it, the way I see it, you, you, don't, you shouldn't look like you've had it done. That's Isn't the exact that the, school I come from. I want you to walk, good work looks like no work. Yeah. You want to look like you've had nothing at all done. But there, there is, I think, some younger who sort of like, I've paid to have it, my lips done. I want people to know I've had them done. I, yeah. On well, body parts, you know, body yep. parts, big asses, big... Yeah. And, yeah, you, there's, there's, there are things that do not occur naturally yeah. that, are, that are being created and I think that's a kind of weird subculture of it isn't it? It, it is but I think um, fashion dictates a bit what how people want to look doesn't it and I think it always has it's not a new phenomenon so now people are going for this sort of um, I, 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 I'm not of the generation that wants it but they go, want these big bums don't they bigger thighs small waist mm. Sort of when I was younger, everyone wanted to be very, very thin. I think mm. so. It's a so I think fashion dictates it. How much do you have to deal with the psychological aspects? Because do you sometimes get people that you think this isn't the problem, you know, and you don't really want to do what they're asking? Do you? Yeah, you. That's you're absolutely right. Um, there's a problem with people who become body dysmorphic. 
and um, they get fixated on something, whatever it might be, line in their face or or size of their lips, and they get fixated and they will want you to just keep treating and keep treating and keep treating. You can, I think, pick these people up quite early and I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat them. I th I, there might how be some pra practitioners out there that would, but I wouldn't. How does that conversation go? Um, do you know, often, I, 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 maybe it's the clientele I'm getting in Wimbledon, but most of the time when people come in and I don't want to do a treatment, they're quite happy with it, actually. I think if you look at my website and you look at the way I look, you if you were someone who wanted um, these extreme kind of looks, you probably wouldn't pick me as your physician. Oh, so when you're browsing around the various clinicians, you, you'd get a sense for the sort of work they do with... I think you would. I guess the pictures they put on the yeah. website as much as anything, probably. Yeah, or, I mean, Instagram's full of it. So I think, yeah... I think what? the people who are who are wanting a certain sort of look would probably go to a certain sort of clinic for it. But it, yeah, it's a worry. And um, when they teach, um, Queen Mary's University in London does a master's degree in aesthetics and they have a whole module where they teach the doctors doing the masters about the psychological impact and um, how important that is. So it, it you know, people, um, reputable people in the industry take take what you're saying very seriously mm. and and the first rule of a doctor is do no harm that's your first yeah. rule i suppose because you you say you recognize that point mm. where it's got to just this thing they're obsessed with and you see it in not just you see it in all kinds but you see it in people buying things you know they they, they kind of need more and more and it's not making them happy i guess there must be some gray area where you think well i'll you know, they might be getting a bit carried away. Yeah, but. I, th I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and if someone comes in and they've got some great lips and they ask me to fill them, I'll, I don't. I say, no, your lips are great. Don't, don't touch those lips. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we're the same age, right? 44, yeah. I'm actually yeah. a, few, a few months older than you. Yeah. So I, I walk into your clinic, Yeah. 44 year old man and say, I don't know what's wrong but I want to make myself generally a bit better where do we start so I'm looking at you and for the listener <laughs> you're extreme he's uh, Richard's an extremely good looking oh, bloke you are extremely good looking the point is it's not really about what I think it's about what you think and what you feel you you um you you feel that you'd like to improve a bit with aging. I mean, you might be very very happy with how you look and different lines on your face. I mean, sometimes that can look more distinguishing in a man. So it's more about how what you feel in yourself. You turned it around on me now. Yes, because that's what the consult's you, about. You're the professional. <laughs> make me better. So, um, like, not not. It all comes from the person who wants a treatment. Yeah, because so. ultimately what this treatment's about is we can subtly enhance how a person looks. When they look in the mirror, they feel that they look better. And when you feel that you look better, the real you can then come out. You become more confident 
you see the world in a different way and then the world sees you in a different way. But you see, when I go to get my hair cut, I'm one of these people that I, I don't really want to have that much involvement. You can see the kind of thing, I like it, you can yeah. see the kind of thing I'm aiming for, a bit like that, but a bit shorter. So maybe I'd want the same thing so from, you, from you, just make things, a, make things a bit better, you know. I mean, so one thing I would say to everybody is look after your skin. So really, use a really good skincare and use sun factor cream every day. So that, that you know, so start, first things first, start with that. The other thing is retinol. Don't know if you've heard about retinol. Everybody should be using retinol or um, the stronger version, which is a territory, oh, I've said that wrongly. But anyway, you should, vitamin A, you should retinol. be- Retinol. Retinol, yeah, cream, every cream. night. On your face? Yeah. Just on your face? Yeah, yeah. I've not it, heard it, of it's, this. Yeah, it's a, a cream. There's a lot of good research out there show to improve skin quality. So um, if we were just to start basic, that's the first two things I'd say. Then men in general, um, to look attractive, you do. there is a slightly different approach to women because uh, a good-looking man, you, you don't want to feminise a man so you need you need to you need to be careful when you treat a man with these cosmetic uh, procedures and one of the main things is symmetry in the face so you want to have a really symmetrical face and if you've got a crooked nose you can try and straighten that a bit with filler um, if you've got loss of volume in one side of the face you can try and restore that to restore the equilibrium now you sorry go on. so no no now the other the other couple of things that really want to men have that women don't is a nice flat straight eyebrows. So in in women we like them a little bit arched, but in men we want them nice and flat. And I'm looking at you, and yours are really I'm, nice I'm and flat. Them, as you're speaking, I'm trying to keep them flat. <laughs> trying to keep them flat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. And then a really good jawline. And um, you know, and that's that's about it. Yeah, you've got a great jawline. So maybe in a, yeah. but maybe in a few years. What, what about what about when the um, what do you call what do the sort men of, call the chin here and the turkey? Oh, turkey neck, a bit jowly. I mean, Botox going. can treat that sometimes. Botox can, can treat it? that. Yeah, there. yeah, you can you can treat you can use Botox to treat that to to preserve your good looks and to keep you like that. A bit of Botox in the upper face not much just a bit to just prevent you um those lines ex of expression getting deeper and deeper that may be an option yeah they're the ones but that yeah the frown and the horizontal they don't, they don't really they don't particularly bother me so then so leave it then what about you'll put you'll be you'll, what about my cauliflower ear here if you pretend not to have noticed oh that. i didn't notice that that's no. very polite of you Oh, I didn't notice. It's not, you see, it's not the same as the oh, other one. Yes. I noticed that. But some, now, now I've talked about symmetry, but yeah, sometimes these things are character. They add to a person's character, don't they, and life story. And having these uh, procedures, I don't think it's about making everybody look the same and having that overdone, everyone looks the same look. It's about making you look like the best you and not taking away your individual character yeah how much do you talk to people about their wider health because obviously there's stuff you can do clinically but they've got to live the rest of their life and if you see things that maybe their lifestyle is 
making yeah. worse. Do you talk to them about that yeah. side of it? Yeah, uh, it's um, it's a tricky one, and I know um, everybody who comes in, we before they have any treatment, you do go through a full medical history. Um, just about anybody really can have Botox, but um, my personal opinion with the the fillers is if you do have chronic health conditions we probably wouldn't treat you with fillers so we we I go through that um anybody who tells me they smoke i do as a doctor there's this like knee jerk lecture that comes out about you know you shouldn't smoke um alcohol everyone lies about that how much they drink that's uh you know probably most people do you, drink do you, too much do you um do you have a sort of formula that you multiply it by to make it truthful well when i when you know back at med school they used to always say times it by two right but i think you know i think i think that's in this sort of uh older uh, 30s plus i know i was watching on the news last night they're saying the kids aren't drinking anymore and the the kids they interviewed said it was because they're all so responsible personally i think it's because they can't get hold of it because I think when, when you can get hold of it into your 30s and it's in the supermarket, I think, it, I think it, it's a, we're storing up a big problem for the future there. I'm always, I'm always wary of these sweeping statements about what the kids are yes. or aren't doing. Because it keep, I keep hearing this from people presented as fact that you know, the, the millennials aren't taking drugs anymore, the millennials aren't drinking more, and I'm thinking, oh, they must be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean take, a, go, take a walk through a town centre uh, on yeah. a Friday, Saturday night, there's plenty of yeah. people doing it. But I think they, I think they tend to be based on a, an, some narrow study. Maybe, you know, yes. They've, they've interviewed yeah. a few, I don't know, the sorts of university students that could be sober enough to fill in a form. <laughs> maybe, you know I mean? maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Who, and you, and my profession, journalism, is yeah. really is is guilty of making taking tiny little trends and making them into a because yeah. you know, if you see if you see a graph where let's see let's say the the figures are totally are perfect somehow across the board and you see a slight reduction in something that's translated into the millennials don't drink anymore. Yeah, you know, sure, sure. They may, they may be drinking a little bit less. Yeah. They may be taking, but. Yeah, there, there's a I'm lot of... I'm not sure they have changed as much as we, we seem yeah. to. It's the, it's the received wisdom aspect of it. Like, oh, we've decided this to be the case. Move on. Yeah. I'm sure there's still plenty of it Yeah, they, they do... Medicine's often taken in snippets and then sensationalised into a story in the news, isn't it? And then the next week it's something different. I think it's terrible for... I think it's terrible for people's health choices. Mm. Because I think what they do... I mean, alcohol is, is probably the... The most common example, you know, you get a glass of red wine's good for you. Any alcohol bad for you. You get these, these stories. So people go, I don't know what to believe. Therefore, I'll do as I, yeah. I'll do as I choose. Yeah. And it's this attitude that, in some people, okay, maybe it doesn't matter. They generally live quite healthy lives. But an exaggeration of that attitude is the vast amounts of people who just don't give a shit about their health. Yeah, as, as this is one of the things that really because. You know, to explain like how I ended up doing this, I've got to this point in my life, my mid forties, when I'm, I'm suddenly, I'm really interested in my health and and how much, how many bad things I'm doing to myself, and really trying to make yeah. the most healthy cho- choices, but also enjoy my life as yeah. much as I can, because I think 
this idea that healthy choices are the boring choices is terrible. You know, there's great healthy food you can eat, there's sports you can do. Absolutely. Life, I think this idea that being healthy means limiting yourself is re- is is corrosive. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Because we we are we are we are supposed to be enjoying all the things yeah. life has to offer, and this that that should be being good for us. Yeah. There's this idea that I'll be good, I'll be good, and I'll only be having fun when I'm doing things that are bad yeah, for me. Yeah, sure. But actually, and we all, yeah, you go out for a run, you can get a real high from. Uh, from that, can't you? Some physical exercise can really and it's you know, a, give and you a it, real high. And it's a high combined mm. with the knowledge yeah. that you've done something that, okay, it's, does it, no one thing is a magic wand that's going to make yeah, you that's right. super happy and healthy and live yeah. forever, but you're doing what you can. You're taking steps yeah. towards feeling better. That's right, um, yeah. Rather than doing things that... I, I, guess it's the, I guess it's this sort of nihilistic approach that, you can you can end up having and I think I certainly felt like that when I was young oh fuck it gotta die of something you know (laughs) yep yep sure but yeah Yeah, I think it it brings it I in recent the last few years quite a few people have started to die that I know older and younger and it does bring it home to you how um, finite your life is and none of us know you know and, and look after your health while you have it well, having kids as well yeah. brings obviously brings it home because you start mm. doing the maths and you think, because yeah. I'm looking at my parents having a lovely time with my kids, yeah. and I'm thinking, well, I started a bit later than them, and then you know, you I want to see them have kids, absolutely, and and, and yeah. that should have been an obvious that should be an obvious thing your whole life. You want to be healthy and and live a long life, but for, for a lot of people, you don't get to that stage where you really think about it until you're old. Yeah. Because there's this thing yep. about properly old people being obsessed by their health because they have to be, because they're falling apart yeah. and they have to be on medicines and, and take various yeah. measures. But I think if you start earlier, you start thinking about it earlier, it can, be a, it can be a nice thing because you can actually see it as, oh, I'll take up something I've always wanted to do. Definitely, yeah. Um, Prevention. And, and enjoy yeah, it. Enjoying, yes. enjoying yeah. your life. I yeah. think that it's, the, it's realising what your body's for, yeah. for me. And I said to you before we, before we started how it suddenly occurred to me how much of my life I've spent sitting on my ass. Like most of the population, yeah. Because we used to do physical things yeah. with our bodies and now most yeah. of us just, just sit around. Yeah, that's right. And this can't, this can't yeah. be what we were, yeah. if it's not what yeah. we were made for. And you see people, don't you, on a, uh, you know, Friday night, Saturday night in the gym, on the treadmill. And that, to me, doesn't... I mean, if that floats your boat, great, but... Um, you've you got to find something you're into. You've got to find something you're into. I was dragging myself to the gym for years, just doing what I needed yeah. to do, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And then, well, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, seriously. I'd done a little bit before. And once you've got something that you really like doing that also happens to be really good yeah. for you physically, apart from the odd cauliflower yeah. ear and injury as you go as you <laughs> yeah. along the way, but that's if if you yeah. if you're gonna use your body you're gonna break bits of it. That's the Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you're mm. gonna if you're gonna push it, you're gonna hurt bits of it. But I think I think this idea that it's okay to spend so much of your life sedentary is crazy to yeah. me. 
Because you look, you look at what you look at children running, right? You don't have to tell them to run about; they just run around anyway. And it's like we get grown up, and then it's right, mm, sit myself down, <laughs> absolutely, get up, you know, <laughs> yep. work yeah, work sitting still, yeah. and you, you do, and do more and more sitting down throughout your life until that's all you can do. Yeah, no, oh, frightening thought, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. I, I think for a lot of people, they go, they go to the doctor. That might be the only health professional yeah. they see. They go to their GP. My experience with GPs not looking like the healthiest bunch of people. Oh right! I yeah. know that may be yeah. maybe unfair. I, mean, I guess it's a tough it's a tough job, and you've got, you've got a think, lot of sick or yeah. think sick people to see. But I think, as uh, in terms of being a doctor goes, being a GP is one of the hardest jobs to do. You've got to know a bit about everything. Um, they get about eight to 10 minutes with each patient who comes through the door. And the chance that you do miss something, the chance that someone has a headache and you and that one time in 30 years it's a brain tumour mm. is probably gonna happen to you as a GP. It's, inc- I think, an incredibly difficult job to do. And now you've got that added thing of pretty much everyone's looked it up before they yeah. come in and they go, <laughs> yeah. I think I've got. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're, they're doing, it they're is, tra- it's very difficult. They, don't, they sit there in an office on their own. They don't have the backup of a big hospital, really, like I do. If I, and all the technology that we have in hospital. And it's hard work for those GPs. So when when you're GP. training, it's, yeah. is, it all about, is it all about fixing things? Because it, there's not much, is there much emphasis on living a healthy life? Prevention. Um, you know, I don't think most of medicine... And most of the NHS's budget is spent on that, is it? No, it's not. It's spent on uh, dealing with people after they've developed the illnesses. You're right. I mean, that is a real challenge for the future. Um, I mean, there are attempts at public health campaigns to get kids moving and healthy eating and um, and interventions on sugar tax and, and that sort of thing. But um, you're, you're, you're right, the, the money isn't really spent on it. And in a, it's, I think it's a, diff, it's a very difficult one because we'd love to spend that money up front. But when you're faced with a person in front of you who has the disease and you can save them, you're going to spend the money on them, I think. Mm. You know, it, 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 it's a problem going forward. Mm. Yeah, but you are right. Into the future, surely we have to get more preventative. But I think they have been saying that for the last 25 years since I've been in medicine. It's all, it almost seems like to me that um, obviously the medical profession has advanced amazingly in the last 100 years and we can do incredible incredible things. But it's almost like we're in awe of all of that and what you do is it's sort of secondary. It's, it's always like, oh, make sure you get eat some fruit and vegetables. Yeah. It's like an aside yeah. at the end. Whereas yeah. really it's... The, yeah. it's the core of everything that you're doing the basic yep. healthy things the thing is often though GPs I've talked to um, the mindset and the psychology of lots of people who come in who are quite overweight with a poor diet and who do smoke and who are extremely sedentary they often don't want to hear the um, you know the advice you need to do this you need to do that and one GP I heard talking about this he said what he says to these people is if you won't um, if you won't give up smoking for yourself and for your own health 
who will you give it up for? And this one woman he said that to apparently started crying and said, I'll give it up for my daughter. And so it's like changing people's uh, mindset. There's a, there's a lot of um, reluctance in some people to take responsibility for their own for their own health. There was a really good there was a really good poster campaign I saw along those lines that I can't remember who who it was for, but it said something like um, treat your body like it belongs to someone you love. Yeah, that's that's good, isn't it? Yeah, Which, and it's really weird because mm. you get very cynical about like I'm not I'm not going to take some like um, fortune cookie wisdom from some poster, but it was it was somewhere in the airport yeah. I think, when I was on holiday and I kept seeing it, and I was thinking, you like people who are doing destructive things to themselves. If you said right, do that, do that to your son. Yeah, no. Yeah, but, but they think they think it's okay to themselves because yeah. it's you, you know. Yes. But mm. if the long term effect mm. is, that's right. You know. Yeah. You, you damage to the people you love. So then I think it's a, I think it's a I think it's a healthy yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. It may not be what people want to hear, but I think it's a healthy yeah. way to Absolutely. look at it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because you know you owe it to other people to be to do what you the best you can, don't you? I, I guess. think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, as we we all we all fail sometimes. We do. I guess you, yeah. you, you guess you do what you can. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just too cold to get yourself out there and go running. <laughs> you yeah. want to stay in bed, even though you feel great once you've done it. But yes, yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally. No, you never, you never, you never regret having done. You never regret the runs. Things. No, you no, don't. You never regret a run. You ne- I, that, but that's but that yeah. is actually one of the I find the best ways to get myself to exercise yeah. is that thought. You never you never go. Oh, I wish I hadn't gone for that. I mean, all right, yeah. you, could, you could hurt yourself or something. Yeah. but that's one of the things yeah. that happens. Uh, uh, but apart from that, you never think. Oh, I wish I'd done less exercise no, last week. I and, wish and I'd and watched more cons- TV. I wish I'd yeah. consumed some more sugar. <laughs> yes. So maybe I should start with. Do you think a bit of. A little bit of Botox. Botox. <laughs> what do you think? Um, you know, it is all about how it is going to make you feel. And uh, if you want to keep looking how you look, some of these aesthetic treatments can help you preserve that for longer. And you still age gracefully. But uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You yeah. don't want to look... When, when you, the lines are gone to the point where they they never looked like that anyway. Then yeah, or, or it's unnatural. Who, well, they do it in magazine covers. This is yeah. not really a cosmetic, yeah. unheartened thing. But when they airbrush them, sometimes you see, well, that doesn't look like a, a person. It's a totally, you've yes. a totally flat, sure, looks smooth, like a dolly. smooth yeah. face. It's not, it's not reclaiming youth. Yeah. It's trying to attain yeah. something not human. Yeah, totally. But I think that when you feel good about how you look, um, you've, you're, it, I think it does change the psychology about you, in, you inside you, and you feel better about yourself. And then, and that's also when you look after your body and your body looks better, you know, mm. you feel better about yourself and then in life you, you, you do better. People who look well, healthy, yeah. younger, and, and you know, evolution we were kind of programmed yeah. to be attracted to those people, aren't we? Okay, that's amazing. Well, it's very interesting to talk to you. <laughs> and you. So thank you so much. So Dr. Fiona Peer, P-E-E-R, the Peer Clinic yep. in Wimbledon. Lovely. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. In case you're wondering, yes, I did 
go and get my face injected with Botox afterwards. Not really sure why, just thought, you know, I was there anyway, might as well give it a go. But just don't tell anyone whatever you do. Thanks very much, bye. Thank you.